friends, countrymen, lovers of all things design. This is Grits and Grids. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, this week, I am talking with Stephen Jones of uh, GoGo Jones. He's the creative director, designer, thinker, and a man about to sort of reinvent some things for himself, which is the theme for this month. Uh, Stephen, why don't you say hi to everyone and give a quick intro to yourself. Hello, how's it going? Um, my name is Stephen Jones. I'm kind of running my own thing in, in Nashville, Tennessee. I've been here about 10 years, born in Kentucky originally. Uh, spent four years in the Navy as a photographer, designer, kind of media person, um, and I, I help entrepreneurs uh, launch new businesses and products, and that's, I mean, that covers a pretty, that covers it really, I mean, in terms of uh, kind of where I'm at at this stage and, and what I'm working on, so. That's awesome, man. I'm glad to have you on the show. Um, so this month <clears throat> is, you know, all about, like, you know, whether you've been doing something for a while or you're about to embark on something, I think we're always in constant reinvention. And so far, you've had a pretty interesting career. So, you know, you worked at Chen Design, whom, whom I'm a big fan of. Uh, you just mentioned you were a photographer in the Navy, which is just crazy to think about and kind of doing your own thing as well. And um, so what's guided your journey? And like, you know, how did you find yourself in these uh, interesting roles? I don't know, man. It's I've always kind of pushed myself. Um I, I'm kind of an all or nothing kind of guy, so I'm always if if I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do it hard, and I'm gonna go for it. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, I always wanted to test myself and kind of see what I was made of and um, see what I could learn. So taking chances was always um, you know it's kind of uh, something I live by in terms of you know how I approach my life, how do how do I approach my work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like every time I've taken a chance, you know, I've had I've had good rewards if I put the work in. So um, it's been pretty nice. You know, Chin was awesome. It was a it was a short time after uh, I graduated college. I just did mm-hmm. did four months in San Francisco and made some really good friends out there and uh, learned a lot about design. Uh, it's one of those moments that kind of kicks you in the ass and lets you Hell yeah. lets you realize yeah. how little you you think you know is uh, absolutely. Um, it was it was tough, man. Just just the whole process of going out there was uh, was a lot of work in terms of finding a place to live and making friends and uh, yeah, it's, cool. it's a huge shift, right? I mean, so many people I think get stuck in their in their their like community or in their world and um even though they may travel they never really get out of that space and um there was a fair amount of that with me like you know living in pennsylvania and then kind of working in between pa and new york um and new york has a way of just uh demolishing your soul in so many ways (laughs) so i can't imagine what you know san francisco is like too you know (laughs) i mean it it may, you know, it may stomp on your soul a little bit, but all you have to do is go outside and uh, look around or ride a bike or mm-hmm. find a park. And it's like, I think that's how so many people live uh, in anguish, except they've got all these beautiful sights and, and things to do. So mm-hmm. there's there's a different kind of balance there, but I think there's still a, I'm sure there's still a little bit of soul sucking out there too, so. Yeah. So in the Navy, where did you end up? Uh, where were you stationed? So I was attached to a ship. 
Um, okay. Amphibious assault ship had uh, Harriers, you know, the, the ones that take off vertically, um, yeah. and helicopters and stuff. But uh, stationed on a ship. Uh, <clears throat> we were in Norfolk, Virginia. Did a okay. did a Mediterranean cruise. <laughs> That's funny. It's, yeah. it's funny when I say cruise because I was just looking. I was like, man, I need to go to Mexico and take a carnival cruise. And then when I, <laughs> when I put it in the same uh, or when I put the two words in different contexts, it, they definitely uh, they're not the same thing. Yeah, so, two very different things, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so no, it was That's cool, awesome. man. We, I just uh, I had a lot of opportunity to kind of play creatively in the military. Surprisingly enough, okay. It, I had a lot of tools at my disposal. I didn't have real artists to look over my shoulder and shit on me. So right. I, I kind of got to fail in public without a lot of scrutiny, which was uh, which was a great time, I think, in terms of my uh, you know my creative evolution from you know, being younger and actually kind of being immersed in um, a job like that. So it was good. Yeah. So you um you, you basically had like free reign, knowing that. Most of the people around you probably didn't have strong opinions on this or that. I imagine it was kind of different the four months at Chen Design. Maybe the complete opposite? Yeah. That was uh, – I, I think I learned a lot about myself during that period, probably more so than I did about design, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's your first real taste of – you know, a design studio atmosphere, especially when you hold them in such high regard. It was, it was yeah. tough for me, man. I got my, got inside my own head too much and I was just young and stupid. And it was just kind of my first, my first fall on my face. It was, sure. it was pretty tough, it, but it changed the way I, I look at you know, how I want to run a business or uh, what, what my ideal situation is in terms of, workflow and how do I work you know best is it by myself or is it collaborating with other people Mm -hmm. Um, what you know what is that process like between myself and a client so there's there's all these different things that maybe I wasn't expecting to learn during that process and I may have you know kind of bitched and whined about it a little bit but yeah yeah but in but in all actuality there's there's a lot of things I took from that that I still put into how I run a business now. So, yeah, it's funny, like, you know, pain and uh, frustration are like the biggest teachers in a lot of way. And usually the, the Tinder that accepts the spark for some reinvention as well. And so, you know, you, you, you left Chen, you left San Francisco, you go back to the, uh, what do we call that? Is that the South? Is that the Midwest? It's a mix (laughs) of both, right? (laughs) No, uh, I guess it would definitely be the South. I'm sure. If, yeah. if people are listening to my accent, they're probably saying the South as well. I can't hide that very well. <laughs> well, what's funny is like uh, a lot of people don't realize, you know, they come down to Atlanta and they're like, oh, man, where, where's where's the accent? I'm like, dude, we're all transplants. We came from where you came from. <laughs> we're about as far north in the South that you can get. You know? <laughs> no, I mean, Nashville's right. I mean, we're super close to the line. So, uh, yeah, you're geographically north, but I feel like. You cross that line and you're you're in the deep south all of a sudden. It Whereas like, like Atlanta, you know, as far as like men, not mentality, I don't know how to explain it. We're we, we're more northern than I think a lot of people realize. Well, you've got a metropolitan vibe to uh, to Atlanta that I think Nashville is slowly getting, but the country music 
in people's perceptions, kind of overshadow the city as uh, you know, this small. It, it doesn't have the same vibe or the same scale of feel as Atlanta does. So, yeah, it feels southern, man. Lots of biscuits and gravy and fried oh, chicken. Yeah, and grits and, and grits, and grits, <laughs> all of that, man. It's uh, that's oh, one yeah. thing I love the most is the uh, the food we have access to, especially since Nashville's really really grown as of late, which has been really good for business. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, some of the industry that's that's really thriving is the hospitality and food scene. So I'm, I'm trying to snatch some of that stuff up, man, because my my heart is uh, it's in my stomach. So Absolutely. I hear you. And you've ended up with a fair, sh- a fair amount of work in your book uh, in the food and beverage space. Um, you know, is that is that by design? Did that just happened naturally. And, and, you know, is that what you're intending to do is be the food and beverage, you know, focus? Yeah, I think it's it's always been something I've been shooting for. Um, I've got a, a friend of mine, Valerie Hammond, who's uh, I went to school with and she was always baking bread. And I just got really excited all the time and I, I would place orders and she'd bring me bread. And then I ended up meeting my wife who's um, who's her parents are. Laotian, so their mm-hmm. connection to food is so much, so much a part of their daily life and kind of this communal aspect of family. It just, I just really got into food, man. When I got out of the Navy, it's like I had all these opportunities when I was in the Navy to try these different foods, and it took you know, a year or two after I got out to really appreciate food. And I think in terms of how that fits into my work, I just. I try to I try to make my book a representation of the things I'm passionate about, mm-hmm. and I'm slowly accumulating these projects that kind of connect with me emotionally, and I'm kind of building my my stuff my book around it. You know, I've, right. I've been lucky to do that. So between um, you know some of the the wine bar stuff from California, and then. Um, you know, self-promotional piece I've got in there for some salsa and stuff that I did. It's, it's fun, man. I love, I love cooking. We're always barbecuing and I've always got friends over here and we're just cooking up a ton of food and it's, it's nice to be able to, to intertwine those, those passions together. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm working on some stuff right now, uh, for a professional soccer team that's, um, it's coming to Nashville. So I, I did some of that stuff. I'm a big soccer nut. So I, nice. We just had our, I, uh, I just had our inaugural. I know. I'm so excited for you guys, man. I'm going to have to come yeah. down and check out a match. It'll be, Oh, um, hell yeah. That would be hell awesome. Yeah. If you're down, we should, we should make that happen. Cause absolutely, man. I'm into it a hundred percent. I unfortunately didn't get my ticket in time. Which is awesome that I didn't get my ticket in time because we sold out fifty five thousand strong. That's huge, man. You know, That's... and I'm not happy with the result, you know, but um, you know, we, we put one on the board and I think that's pretty strong too. That's monumental for the franchise, man. I'm heck yeah. But you know, to tie that tie that back around, it's you know, if you if you're a designer, you wanna you wanna create things that have connection to things you're passionate about. So I think absolutely food, soccer, uh, I've got some cigar work that I've done. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying no, if it's, if it's right. a good project based on, you know, if it's outside of those, but 
It's always nice, man. It's kind of like a little feather in your cap. It's, it's a nice way to kind of show your personality through your work. Yeah. Uh, so I've I just been fortunate, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I would I would love to get my hands on the um, on the soccer work that we have here. What's interesting to me is the design work done for the Atlanta Silverbacks, which was the I don't even know the name of the league. It was like below MLS league. It was USL, I believe. Okay, so the the design work done for them in the latest rendition or or the second to latest i don't know anyway it was stellar man it was like this typographical mon uh, monogram yep. it was beautiful I, and then like yeah and then we get this you know i mean i'm happy that we have a team but like i think when it all came through all of us here were very uh ah, that could be better <laughs> yeah, i know what you mean it's <laughs> sports are sports are tough too because it's such a high profile thing and everybody's so connected to their teams and they're so passionate and it's kind of a scary thing to do that kind of work because, you know, if you have thin skin or you don't back up your decisions with sound, sound judgment, right? Somebody's gonna rip. You. I mean, hundreds of people can rip your ass in public on Twitter and Facebook and whatever. And it's, in a second, <laughs> it's tough, man. It's a lot of pressure that, uh, as designers, the higher profile stuff you take, the, the the more you have to be ready to take that criticism or. Yeah, you know, like Zeus Jones, the stuff they did for Minnesota United, design wise, is I think it's the best branding in in all of U.S. soccer in my eyes. Yeah, that's I just get see, I'm all worked up, man. I get excited about this stuff. <laughs> I get pumped too. I think you know the thing with the the Atlanta team that really I think bugged a lot of us the most started with the naming itself. So they yep. tried to do like this this uh, crowdsource naming thing. And, you know, we do a lot of naming in this office and we ended up with United and I'm like, come on, man, like that's been done so much. Like the one that I wanted the most that I don't think ever would have like just never saw the light of day was um, Terminus FC. Yeah, I saw that too. That one, I think we saw like we saw some of those ideas and we were like, hell yeah, because Terminus is the original name of Atlanta. And like that just like. That's that could be ours. Like we're never gonna own United, like you just said, Minnesota United, and there's Terminus Man United. Is cool, man, that's a cool. I mean, I guess the supporters group is Terminus Legion or something like that too. I think so. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer though to see like crowdsourcing dilute and make Vanilla what could have been a great name, uh, but obviously we're gonna support it no matter what it's called. Um, and I think we're all pretty happy that it's not called Atlanta Phoenix because that was one of the ideas. We're like you. You know that's another name of a city, right? It's like the dude that has the the two two first names for a first and last name. Like, yeah, you know, like Dick Harry or something. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. So I mean, I mean, I get the idea because we're known as the Phoenix City after you know the fire and all, but yeah. you know, but still, uh, we're so excited to see such a big turnout, and um, you know, I think it's pretty great. So that's awesome that you get to work on the Nashville team. Um, in some way, shape, or form. I mean, I can't wait to see the work that comes out of it. Um, but, um, so speaking of, or, you know, Phoenix and reinvention, I mean, you're, you're kind of on the threshold of reinventing yourself. I know you can't talk about names and stuff, but you know, what, what's prompted that what's fueling that and where do you see this going? Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've been functioning on paper as a 
quote unquote freelancer, but it's really shifted, I think, in the last year in terms of how I've looked at how my business operates and how I plan to operate in the future. Um, I'm not trying to grow some huge studio, but I realize there's there's some stuff that I could really use some help on in terms yeah. of project management, some admin stuff. Um, you know, I keep an intern most of the time. I've, I've been really fortunate uh, to pair up with uh, the school that I went to in Nashville, and they've been uh, funneling good talent. Um, mm-hmm. That's been really nice. I've, I've had I've had that help. But, uh, what school is that? Uh, Watkins Watkins College of Art and Design. Okay. I guess they just changed the name, shortened it to Watkins College of Art. But, sure. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to post a link there too because that, yeah, that'd be nice. It's it's been great. Um, hey, at least your school's still around. Mine closed for the <laughs> listeners. They know that, but mine was gobbled up by Art Institute, and uh, you know, in a few years, just driven right into oblivion. Yeah, sometimes that happens, man. It's a bummer. But now, now my degree is something that no one else can have, and uh, the stingy part of me loves that. <laughs> oh no, I hear you. Uh-oh. Yeah. So how's the transition to a small business owner been from going from Navy to agency life to your own thing? I mean, it's got to be a lot of growing pains and some reinvention yeah. happening there. Oh, man, that's – I've been – I was scared from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I did it anyway in terms of you know leaving the agency world and kind of going into this freelance world. Right. Um, I had one client that kind of – gave me the the nerve to do it and okay. I, I kind of used them and slowly built um, some other clients around them so that I didn't have all my eggs in one basket which hey which, that's good it, man it's it's I'm just now at a point I'll let that client go so yeah I, I just now after you know three four years of working and building up clientele I feel really good about being able to leave leave them because they, they kind of needed something different. Um, they needed sure. an all in one person and I'm, I was looking to specialize and, um, try to focus more on branding and design and the bigger picture concepting work versus, uh, you know, little small design edits and stuff. They, they need right. somebody that was, it was more on call on that. That wasn't yeah. really working with where I wanted to take the business. So, um, yeah, so I'll, Worked it out, let them go. We separated on good terms, mm-hmm. and now I'm I'm focusing on trying to shed this freelancer label because I'm doing a lot more than, than freelance work right now. But right, faci- facil- you know, you know how it goes. It's like when you're facilitating copywriting, web development, uh, any any contracted illustrators, or if mm-hmm. it's just too much work where you can't do it on your own, you've got to bring in some other help to, to meet deadlines and, and kind of keep your stable of clients, um, you know, happy and with good turns around, you know, turnarounds on their work. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Like when you start running your own business, I mean, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that sometimes the last stuff you get to do is the stuff that you really wanted to do. You know, and I think that's the toughest part is like, I, I think all of us get that bug from time to time where it's like, oh man, I could do this better. Uh, the way this person's running their agency or studio is, you know, sucks or mm-hmm. here's where I see all the flaws. I can do it better. But you don't quite realize that you end up doing all, all the management and all the 
you know, even admin and stuff like that and yeah. finances and legal and blah, just, blah, blah. Oh, just all the contracts and estimates and invoices. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'm not the first person to go through this stuff, but you know, it's, it's definitely changed. Uh, it's changed the way I look at the value of my work because right. I look at how many different jobs I was doing as one person or in terms of how many people I was managing at any given point in time, depending on the scale or scope of the job. I mean, it gave me, I mean, it gave me every confidence to treat myself as a business versus as a freelancer so that I could hopefully command higher prices and have a more sustainable model for myself and try to build some wealth for my family and Mm -hmm. uh, try to have the resources and the right clients so that I can bring in my talented friends to work on projects with me. Right. I just got to a point where it's like, I'm not, one person isn't going to get this job done and I need to treat it that way so that I can command that price. And yeah, that's kind of what I've, I've been shifting to and, and things have been going pretty well so far. Mm-hmm. Looking at, uh, you know, trying to find the, the right pieces of the puzzle, mainly project management kind of stuff and somebody that can kind of keep me on tasks and kind of be a representative when talking to clients and um, you know, the ultimate goal is really to find some people that compliment me and my skill set so that I can mm-hmm. work on the things that I'm good at that are, you know, going to be best use of my time so I can be profitable, you know? Right. Yeah. The P word. Yes. That's the word that a lot of people don't quite uh, think about. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it's such a powerful word too because it's not a word that I think is in the designer vernacular at all. Oh, I think um, you know you tend to look over it. So a lot of people think about revenue, but profitability is it, it's a tough nut to crack at times, especially if you're not good at realizing that there are other things at play besides you know Stephen has to make X amount of dollars to pay his bills. Yeah, there's a lot of wild cards in the mix that you, yeah. you might not account for that. I think especially when you're pricing things, I've realized, um, yeah, there's always going to be something that bites you in the ass every time. Oh, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's always going to, you know, at the end of the job, if, if you're not compensating for that, you're going to you're going to be thinking, damn, I wish I would have got another couple thousand dollars out of that job or wh- whatever. You know, it's right. Oh, and you, you probably were owed it too. That's the funny. That's the interesting thing. I think a lot of uh, designers under undersell their services in a lot of ways. Um, and of course, there's the argument that oh man, if I charged more, I wouldn't have gotten the job. And it's like yeah, but did you really want the job? Because technically, yep. you lost money by working. Mm-hmm. No, I, <laughs> no, I feel you. I'm I'm kind of in that. Kind of this in between, this transitional stage of uh, you know where the prices are and what services I'm offering and kind of what my clientele are willing to pay, you know. Right. And it's been it's been surprising as I've you know put some estimates out there for some higher profile work and still a little scared, you know, if if the pricing was going to be too much. And I've got a buddy. I was like, "Hey, man, can you look at this?" He took a look. He said, "Hey, why don't you, why don't you double that?" He said, "Yep." He said, "Double it." Said, All right, well, I'll double it and add a little more. And I did. And the job came through, and they said, "Okay." And I was like, "Well, shit." 
Evidently, yep. people will pay top dollar for what they think is top work, and I'd, I'd yeah. like to think I'm providing a premium service versus a economic service uh, in what I do. So it's actually helped me. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, raising the prices has helped me land some of the the biggest and best paying work in my of my career, which is absolutely. And, and it keeps you going too. I mean, I, I kind of call that. Um, I have my own anecdote for it. I call it the $10 filet issue. <laughs> and, um, you know, uh, some friends of mine, when I first moved to Atlanta, they, they started a restaurant and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was talking with them and they're like, yeah, what's awesome is we have this really awesome filet mignon and we're selling it for $10. And I'm like, that's a bad move. Yeah. Like, no, but we get it for like $2 and it's like prime. I'm like, no, no. I, Hey, man, I get that you get it for cheaper. It's still a bad move because filet mignons don't cost ten dollars, and they're like, no, no. But we, I'm like, I mean, you can argue with me all you want. I'm telling you, it's not going to sell. It's not going to do well. And of course, it didn't because it's like you get that skepticism of like, how good can this filet be yeah. at ten dollars? Well, you know, people people who have money and budgets for for projects, or you know, if, if I were to bid with somebody on say. A professional sports team, and mm-hmm. they they bid way below the majority of the other people that bid. You think they're going to get the job? Probably right. not. I think. Yeah, because there's got to be something wrong with it, right? Yeah, it's either they don't have the experience, or they don't value themselves enough to to charge more, or or both, <laughs> or both. Yeah. <laughs> And what's interesting is that I've been on the other side of the table or at least privy to the other side of the table where I've seen all the bids that are on the table. And what's funny is <clears throat> the clients most likely drop the top one and they drop the bottom one. Oh, that's about right. And they go right in the center for like – because it's like, okay, we're not spending a million dollars on this. Yep. But we're not spending, you know, five grand on it either. Yep. You know, and so this this place is way overpriced. This place here doesn't know what the hell they're doing. And so it makes that middle person seem pretty good. I think what's what's important, and I, you know, I think what's important for people to realize is to truly understand what a bottom line means, to understand what your expenses really are, not as Joe Schmo, but as like a company. So even if you don't have office rent and office utilities, you need to have that in your in your pricing anyway, if that's where you want to end up. Yeah. You know, and you need to understand what that means and like then how much your time is really worth and how much time you're going to spend on something. You know what I mean? Like it, it, you have to start thinking at that level. Otherwise, you're going to be relegated to these $1,000 to $2,000 projects and you're never going to have anything more. I know. You can't, you can't, you know, my intent is not to build some huge business. I, I'm specifically, you know, and intentionally trying to stay small. I don't mm-hmm. want, you know, I'm I'm not doing that for that reason, but you know if you don't you know you don't put that that overhead in you know in terms of uh, where you where you want your business to be. I mean I'm moving into a new office soon, which you know as th- three times the square footage I had at my my last little little dungeon of love. Right, right. Um, you know, so I'm I'm trying to plan for these things, and I feel like if I'm going to charge my clients a premium price. I also need to give them a premium experience. So I'm trying to figure out ways to, you know, make that office experience meetings and brainstorms and all that kind of stuff. Feel like, you know, feel like the top dollar versus, uh, you know, some jump. <laughs> so, right. Right. 
Well, and also feel like the kind of place that, um, or not just feel like, but be the kind of place that's going to inspire clients when they come in the front door. Yeah. And I, you know, I've been in a lot of offices and I've seen, I've seen the whiz bang whirling dervishes and like, oh, look at us. We have a Madison Avenue studio, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, great. But like, this is the most uninspiring space I've ever been in. Yeah. Um, whereas I've also been to spaces that were two offices in a big room, you know, not a, when I say big room, I mean a room big enough to hold like five people like at desks, <laughs> yeah. but has been more inspiring just in the realness of it and, you know, the care that's been taken into it. I think all that stuff really matters a lot um, in so many ways. Yeah. And, you know, going back to the kind of work that you get too, I think a lot of people forget that, you know, it's very myopic to look at this project and that number and nothing beyond. And what I'm getting at is like, okay, great. You may get this branding project for a restaurant, you know, in Timbuktu. Um, and that's great because it's going to pay X amount of dollars. But what that project does after it's done is a lot. And so you have to look at like, will this client be able to, like, will this work allow me to get more work? Will it showcase our best? Will this client allow me to do my best work? And usually the clients that are paying, you know, a few grand for some design work, I hate to say it, but aren't really the clients that are going to let you do your best work. Yeah, I, I was actually surprised on, uh, on one of my last projects. It was, I mean, it was, it was a good step up in terms of uh, client and visibility and money and uh, got to a point where uh, – uh, I don't know. I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You know, it probably got to a point where it fell away. <laughs> it did. It did. Um, That's all right. Sorry. Well, when we're talking like – so we have some people here listening that may be uh, at the threshold of reinventing themselves. Mm -hmm. uh, do you have any advice for those folks? Anything – any place you want to guide them? <laughs> yeah. I mean I think breaking the rules and uh, not worrying about what other people say is a pretty, it's a pretty big thing. Uh, between that and – and not being scared to take chances, I think those are huge. I mean, along the way, I just said, all right, well, how can I push myself further? How can I test myself? And I took the leaps when I was scared, and it's paid off every time. I mean, it's not like it's uh, bump-free, you know, in terms of yeah. the journey. But um, in terms of overall picture, man – some of the best things that have ever happened in my life have happened when I've, I've been forced to kind of reinvent myself or maybe adapt to a new situation or scenario. I think, you know, if, if you're not at this day and age flexible enough in, in, your, in your job and what you do, uh, to be able to morph into something new, uh, you're going to have a really hard time as a creative. I mean, I know people who were illustrators that went to be creative directors and then said screw it and became photographers it's like you know there's a photographer in nashville named david bean who's he's just he's fantastic he shot tons of uh tons of great work um he he started as a as a designer and realized that he he loved photography and he mm -hmm. just he just pretty much turned his design clients into his photography clients so awesome. like like a smart businessman would um, but he totally reinvented himself in the middle of his career because it's something he wanted to do. I mean, I'm sure he was scared. I'm sure 
you know, you got to have a lot of balls to do that, but the rewards yeah. are just, you got to go for it, man. It's like, you only get one chance to to see what you're made of, and I, yeah. just, I just don't want to half-ass it, you know? I agree, man. You got to dare yourself and then take that plunge. Um, I think too many people, there are a lot of people out there that just like plan, 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 and then they never, they never make that leap uh, out of fear. But at some point, you either, as my uh, my grand uncle used to say, either going to shit or get off the pot. You know, <laughs> like I'm familiar with that that phrase and terminology. <laughs> and, and it seems like you live it too, which is awesome, man. So we're all pretty pumped to see what what this next stage of uh, your world looks like, and we'll be sure to uh, get some updates as you get to the point where you're allowed to release the information. Um, so closing up, where where can people find you online, and how do they connect with you? Yeah, so. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Creates, and you can get you know good overview of the work at GoGoJones.com. Um, that's that's one of the things I'm trying to trying to handle in terms of the the business naming is getting yeah. all the social media stuff squared away. So as as soon as uh, as soon as I get to that point, man, I'd love to talk to you again and kind of catch up and maybe tell you how things are going and maybe discuss the process a little more. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, man, it'd be great to have you back on. Um, We'll we'll stay in touch for sure, and I think we have a soccer game, and if I can convince Uh, you, a hockey game in Nashville uh, uh, lined up. (laughs) Let's make it happen, man. I'm all about it. We'll we'll trade the sports. I like it. (laughs) Sounds good to me, man. I'm all for it. Cool, man. All right, y'all, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Once again, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Do follow us at Grits Grids. That's Grits Grids with no end in between on Instagram and Twitter. This podcast and the Grits and Grids blog is a passion project of Vigor, a restaurant and beverage branding and marketing firm based in Atlanta. Check us out at www.vigorbranding.com. And of course, we're all over social media. Until next week, stay hungry, stay thirsty, and be creative.